You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you on a Thursday. I'm going to slightly tease ahead to in the loop. I don't think Landry's a big fan of Sean Payton. Is what I? Oh no, he's not. He's what not. I gathered I his, uh, turn the I break. His YouTube on it last night. Oh, you and, did? Okay. Uh, the locker room, and uh, he was down on. He wasn't like you know crushing him or anything. He just he was down for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons was he just didn't like. He was skeptical of the fact that Payton had just taken a year off, and like uh, you know, I and I think I don't want to misstate what he was saying, but it, for a 59-year-old guy to take a year off, you can't just blow that off and say, well, you know, uh, like th- that's not how coaches are wired. Why do you need a break when um, it, like how much how much can your heart really be in it? I don't know. I'm uh, the same I'm guy who to... consistently makes fun of people for being hardo, Landry Locker. So, uh, <laughs> give, give Sean Payton grief because he's got millions in the bank and he wants to take a vacation for a year? I, yeah, you know, the, the objection I have to that is that I think people do routinely take a year off if they're fired. Like coaches, when they'll have an opportunity, they might get fired and have another opportunity, but they take a year off. So it's not uncommon. I think it's just more uncommon in general for coaches to just step away from a job. Yeah. So it it feels different. But I, in my mind, it's not any different than Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin took a year off after he got fired from the Jaguars and ended up uh, winning two Super Bowls with the Giants, you know? Sure. So it was like, and he was, he was old too. How old was Coughlin? Cause Andy Reid is 64 right now. He's been with the Chiefs since uh, 2013, 2013, 2013. Oh, okay. So he was Reed. like 50, he would have been 55 or 50. So yeah. 55 or so yep. uh, when he took that job, um, you know, Tom Coughlin, I'm guessing when he took the Giants job was somewhere around. 60 or so? He took the Giants job in 2004. He was born in 1946. So let's see, 54. He was 58 years old. Yeah, okay. Same. Peyton's 59, I think, right now. I think Coughlin takes better care of himself than Peyton does. Coughlin's never once looked kind of doughy in the face. Like, Coughlin, no. as weird as it was for hey. Kevin James to play Sean <laughs> Peyton, yeah, I don't think Kevin James would ever play... Yes. Tom Coughlin for multiple Bingo. reasons. That's exactly what I was going to say. Who would play Tom Coughlin in a movie? Giants Giants circa Tom Coughlin. Uh, pro- oh, would... Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, you think, huh? I don't know. I'm just into 1923 right now. I'm just now, trying so to I... think of some grumpy. Like I'm thinking like Jason Robards, you know, like from back in Parenthood. You know, I think, you know, like one of... Like one of the two guys who played the Duke brothers in Trading Places. <laughs> you gotta go, uh, <laughs> yeah, old curmudgeonly. Guy. Come on, this is a leading role. You can't throw some character actor. Uh, at I know, him. I know, I know. I was yeah. thinking of old men off the top of my head. Let's uh, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> okay, but he has to act like Hannibal Lecter. That's the rule. He has to change the character. He has to take creative license 
with the Tom Coughlin character and turn him into a serial killer. That's my Ben Kingsley. What about Ben Kingsley? Ben Kingsley. That's not bad for Tom Coughlin. Not bad. I think Kingsley might be able to do it. Yeah. There's got there's got to be a, think, there's got to be a website out there where we can put Coughlin's face on one side and it'll spit out what actor he looks like. Yeah. That'd be Morgan I'm, Freeman. <laughs> oh, go, yeah. you want to just go ahead and, you know, just be just, you know, let's 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 test let's test people's let's test people's tolerance. That's right. You know, Their just sensibilities. like throw out all the other, you know, it's 2023, um, man. Yeah. Go Hamilton on this. Yeah. Yep. Just uh, let's see. I don't know. I actually don't think Morgan Freeman would be. I don't think he would do a good Tom Coughlin. Morgan Freeman's too likable. I can't remember the last time Morgan. When was the last time Morgan Freeman played like uh, an acerbic, unlikable person? Not that Tom Coughlin's oh. unlikable, unlikable, but I mean, you know, he's got he's kind of a he's a, he's a, he's he's harsh. You I know? can't even think of one. He's always yeah. very I'm very sure likable in his in his movie of. roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kingsley, yeah. I think, is the guy. Kingsley's a good Kingsley's one. Yeah. Guy. Text in seven one three five seven two four six ten to the. Trailer Wheel and Frame text page. Who, who would play Tom Coughlin in Seth's screenplay that he's written? Yeah. His movie treatment. It's our big topic this morning. Huge. If you haven't tuned in, this is what we've been talking about for three hours. Yeah. Albert Einstein's letters to his uh, <laughs> disenfranchised wife, <laughs> who he left to marry his cousin, and who would play Tom Coughlin. <laughs> it's not like there's any news going on, like Sean Payton interviewing with the Texans, possibly. Speaking of which... Um, here was um, here was Nick Casario at his press conference on Monday, almost sounding like he was preparing for the possibility of interviewing a Coughlin or not Coughlin, a Peyton esque character in this whole drama. Candidly and honestly, as we work through this process, and if there's candidates, they feel that you know whether or not my position that you know I'm worthwhile to be in my position. If ultimately the best thing for the organization is for me not to be in that position, then you know I have to respect that and acknowledge that. And you know I'm certainly not above and beyond anything else. So what I've tried to do is just be consistent on a year-to-year basis. Try to do what I believe is in the best interest of our team on a year-to-year basis, our organization. And eventually, like at some point, if somebody feels that that's not the direction that we need to go, I respect that. And acknowledge that, and you know that's my responsibility. The only thing that I can do is do the best job that I can, try to make the decisions that I feel make the most sense, and that's what I'm committed to doing. Now, Nick clarified on our show yesterday, and we'll play this audio in a second, but he clarified yesterday that in saying that multiple times, he was just trying to show accountability. He loves his job. He wants to be the Texans GM and so forth. Um, but I'll be honest, Seth, when when he said that a couple times in the in the press conference Monday, Peyton was the name that immediately dropped into my mind as far as, okay, who is a coach that they would hire where they would actually have to alter Nick Casario's role in some way, shape, or form? Because he has final say over all the personnel stuff right now. McLean will tell you it's written into his contract that way, um, yeah. that he's got final say over personnel. Peyton does fit that category of someone where it would be upheaval, maybe too strong a word, and as you've pointed out, you think the two could work together really, really well, Casario? I do. Well, and, you know, part of it is, yes, that's written to do his contract right now. At one point in time, the Texans had reached out to Nick Casario um, and then were accused of tampering. At that point in time, Bill O'Brien was the head coach of the Texans. So I just, I do wonder at that point, I just have always assumed, and maybe that's wrong, that Casario was interested at that point since he ultimately ended up coming to the Texans. If he were open to it at that point, I'm, I'm guessing he would think that the relationship between him and Bill O'Brien might be perhaps on equal footing, you know, not necessarily a, a GM-dominated relationship. Who knows? But it wasn't 
it, it definitely wouldn't be something where he's calling all the shots. So I'm, I'm not quite so convinced as most people seem to be that Casario needs and demands total control. I think that's more of an offshoot of, you know, him negotiating the best deal he could when he got here, um, which was in a period of flux, obviously. And that also these last couple hires have been very atypical, um, forced, weird hires. The Cully, the Cully one seemed like a patchwork bridge coach. The Lovey Smith hire was very much a panic hire after they'd been back to the, after they themselves and others had painted them into a corner. Um, so I don't, I don't, I'm not as convinced that he needs to have all this controller power and that he wouldn't feel good about working for, um, you know, a, a coach with a little bit more clout. The other thing too is I think when he was giving that quote about, you know, would step aside or would whatever linkage. When he said if somebody made that decision, I think he was just thinking about Cal and, uh, you know, understanding and uh, acknowledging that Cal has the power here. That's right. Ultimately, if Cal decides that he wants to go with somebody that doesn't like Casario, then what's what's Casario going to do about it? Yep. You just don't necessarily want to explicitly say and put it out in the universe right there. Yeah, you know, and uh, Cal might decide to fire me next week. Ha, 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 ha. And then and then Cal gets that look on his face. And, yeah, you, and you look down at Cal in the front yeah. row, and he's not smiling at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never want to put the seed in somebody's right, brain. Right. And I feel like he walked it back at uh, before he went too far with it. I think the sheer number of times he made a reference to something like that, Casario did in that press conference on Monday, is what is what um, is what was I think. Interesting to people, you know, if not startling to people. I mean, Landry ended up asking a question about that, the sheer number of times he brought up either a change in role or the elimination of his role, Nick Casario. Um, Casario clarified what he was talking about in that press conference. He clarified it on our show yesterday. The point I was trying to make is that I'm accountable for the process and I'm going to try to do a better job of setting up and managing that process. So whatever comes along with that. So I think that's the point I was trying to make. I enjoy my job. I love my job. I love being here. We've got a lot of work in front of us. I'm not going to shy away from the work. I've never been afraid to put in the work. But I think the point I was trying to make is just I'm accountable, and I understand that I have a lot of responsibility. And quite frankly, I haven't done a good enough job. But we're going to look for ways to improve. We're going to look for ways to move this uh, situation forward. And we're excited about the opportunity in front of us. All right, so right now the teams that have requested permission – to speak to Sean Payton are the Texans, the Cardinals, and the Denver Broncos. Those, those, those are the three um, that, and, and there's, that's three of the five. I mean, there's only five openings right now, um, and um, and there could be more after this first round of playoff games. You know, I think there are a couple teams that, depending on how the team looks in the postseason or how they feel about Sean Payton, could dictate whether or not they, they get in on these sweepstakes. Here, Dallas is the one you've brought up multiple times today. That's yeah. an obvious one. Yeah, Dallas, I mean, it's it's no secret that, mostly because Florio will never let it be a secret, that Jerry Jones loves Sean Payton and at various times has even tried to trade for Sean Payton. So if this this represents the most potentially real opportunity for him to get it, I don't know if I, – I know that there is speculation that – if the Cowboys don't win, then McCarthy is gone. I would go so far as to say if the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl and Sean Payton is still out there, that Mike McCarthy is gone. I, it's, um, 
in particular, especially because Dak, <laughs> if, if you look at the Cowboys right now and ask what's really holding them back, in many respects, it's these curious, uh, weirdly bad stretches that Dak Prescott has. Yeah, yeah. And like, okay, Mike McCarthy, who was run out of Green Bay, and then immediately after Mike McCarthy left and a new coach was came in, what happened? Aaron Rodgers became a league MVP again. Aaron Rodgers had been a mediocre quarterback under Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy leaves town. Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP. If you're Jerry Jones, it's hard not to think about what it, what a difference it might make to have Sean Payton in the building um, rather than than uh, the, that crew right there. Yep, um, we're getting some texts on the uh, on the trailer wheel and frame text page about this uh, about this the, the Payton news here. Um, this is the first one. This is somebody's take on this, Seth, on the, the interest in Peyton. This is a clown show and a marketing move by Nick Casario. Peyton is not coming here to coach or anything. This is a this is a straight, oh, we going hard now, SMH. Hmm. This would be like back when the Astros would entertain free agents or make offers to free agents, even though the offers weren't anywhere close. False to- hustle, I believe they call that sometimes. Yeah, yeah we're in this. We're right in this. Right. We, uh, then they, 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 you'd find out later they had offered like $30 million uh, less than the next lowest offer. Right. Uh, is this fake hustle? I don't think so. I think this is. I think this is more like what Daryl Morey used to describe the Rockets doing back in the day when they were still shuffling everything. Yeah. He would describe it as, "Man, we've got we've got a hundred fishing lines in the ocean, yeah. and we're waiting for two or three of them to get nibbles on them." It's it's interesting because okay, if your perception is that the Texans are lost and have been lost and remain lost, then almost anything they do you're going to dismiss as, well, they don't really mean it, or, oh, they're not really trying. Whereas, let's entertain for a moment, you know, to the person that texted that in, let's entertain for a moment that with Jack Easterby out of the building and with Deshaun Watson gone and perhaps a little bit more normalcy around that the Texans are going to be doing things differently, what else have they done that so far in this coaching search, what have they done that's a clown show? Or what have they done that's atypical or unorthodox? So far, it's been pretty by the book. These are all bona fide candidates that are on their list. They're putting in requests for guys who are bona fide candidates. So I don't, I don't even understand. I, I, even though this has been well received, if I were the Texans, I'm not even going to look at this like it was would be a good PR move per se. Because ultimately, you know, if you're doing it strictly for PR. It doesn't look great if you go after Sean Payton and he turns you down. Yeah. So, like, I just think it's just it. So far, in this coaching search, everything looks like they're doing it like a normal team might do it, and that's the way I'll proceed until they do something clown showish. This is the advice I would give to people who are trying their best to, you know, get back on board with the Texans or stay on board with the Texans or look at this thing as okay, trying to be optimistic about it moving in the right direction. If you're not part of that group, there's really nothing I can say to you right now that's going to convince you of that, so I'm not going to try to do that. But this is what I would say just as advice in general, and maybe just to analyze the whole thing, look at it this way moving forward. I would look at this franchise now, now that we're a little bit into the period of time since Jack Easterby was fired, I would choose to look at this recent these, these recent years in Texans history through the prism of B.E. and A.E., before Easterby, and after Easterby, you know, yeah, or before yeah. BEF, before Easterby's firing and after Easterby's firing. Well, and you know, and, and I don't, again, I think, yes, I think you're correct, but I think that it also, 
I don't want to paint it as that it was just Easterby that was the issue. Sure. Easterby was a symptom as much as he was a cause of issues. And I think, like, the very act of hiring and giving as much power as they did for a while to Easterby, that was a symptom, uh, you know, that, that ended up causing more issues, too. But it was a symptom of something that was already there, which is that, you know, frankly, I think in the transition of control from Bob McNair to Cal McNair, that's a, a pretty dramatic change, even though Cal had been involved. And I know I think John McClain might disagree with me on this somewhat. Um, yes, Cal had been involved, but that's different than being the ultimate decision maker and the person with almost total control. Um, and I think that in that in that period, yeah, a lot of mistakes were made and things were very much in flux. And one of those big things was the exist the hiring of Jack Easterby, uh, the giving of power to Jack Easterby, and ultimately many of the decisions that were made with his influence leading right up to the brink of hiring Josh McCown. Yep. And all of that. So I think, yeah, Sean, you know what I almost think is – Given all of that, instead of before Jack Easterby and after Jack Easterby, I would almost look at the Josh McCown scenario as when Jack Easterby lost a lot of the power he had. The tipping in the point, yeah, yeah. And I've you know I've seen a lot of people that you know people who are Easterby truthers that wanted to act like it was overblown. After Easterby would fi- was fired, they would say things like, "Oh, I thought he had all this control and this and that." Yeah, and and the the fact that Josh McCown wasn't hired was like in a lot of ways the moment when a lot of Jack Easterby's influence was stripped from him. Yep. And he became a little bit of a shadow in the building, um, almost to the point where if you were inclined to have sympathy or empathy with somebody who, you know, basically had the moral fiber of a lizard, um, that you might feel empathy for him. Uh, but but why feel empathy for a lizard? And ultimately he was gone. Why you got to take shots at lizards, man? Why do you got to t- – the lizards just sitting there going, what did I do? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Payne and Pendergast. I wasn't picking on salamanders. Yeah, <laughs> I was picking on lizards. Lizards, that's true. Yeah, salamanders are cute for the most part, <laughs> except for the hellbender. Everybody, Google the hellbender. During I will during the break. break. Oh You've my, given me the hellbender to look salamander. Up. I feel like. Oh you're... my god! I found out these this creature lives in creeks and ponds up near where my wife grew up, and I almost I almost had to leave her because of it. You can say what you will about our show, but I promise you, you come away with. At least one or two educational nuggets per day because of Seth. Albert Einstein's letters, the machine gun thing with World War One you were talking about earlier this week. That was good stuff. Uh, so, um, so this is where I tell you, have your kids listen to this show. They're go- they're going to come away much more educated. They may use the word bitch a lot more, but they're going to be super educated in the I'm process. To, I'm trying to stop that. Hold on a second, Sean. I got a picture of the Hellbender salamander. Okay. Here. Oh my God, that's a that's a that's a snake. Holy it's smokes! A, it's not even a snake. It's like a oh big my, slug of a snake. It looks it's like, like a so, snake. Looks like something else. <laughs> oh I <boy>. wish. Thing <laughs> <laughs> takes up two hands. <laughs> All right, Payne and Pendergast. And Sean, Payne and Pendergast. Yeah, for <laughs> some. You were for some, <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> not an Irish salamander. I can tell you that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.